welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. Alright, welcome back to the Steroids Podcast. And I thought that it would be a great way to start out the Steroids Podcast by telling you what steroids I took today. So today, this morning, when I woke up, I took 300 milligrams of Primobolin injection in my ventral glute. And in my left pack, I shot intramuscularly five IUs of human growth hormone. Right now, I'm running an experiment I'm doing uh, one vial of growth hormone per day, so 10 IUs. I've been on it for six days so far. 10 IUs of growth hormone per day, and uh, splitting that one one shot when I wake up to go pee when my blood sugar is really low at 3 a.m. in the morning, because I was I always wake up in the night to go pee, and so then I just go to like mosey over to the refrigerator and be like. And put that little insulin syringe onto my chest and uh, pop that uh, growth hormone, five IUs in there. And then the other time that I, I take the other five IUs of growth hormone to make the 10 IU vial is after my workout. So the effects from doing this, um, I've only been on this cycle now, which is I've only been on it for five days before I was just on a testosterone Um about 750 milligrams per week. Um, but now this is about the fifth, sixth day of this cycle, uh, which has been uh, 900 milligrams of Primobolin per week with 750 milligrams of testosterone and anthate per week um, and 10 IUs of human growth hormone per day split in two shots. This is all farm-grade gear. Uh, and so, yeah, I've been on this for the past um, five days. Now is day number six. And probably the only other time in my life that I've been this anabolic was when I was on 600 milligrams of testosterone per week and 700 milligrams of trenbolone acetate per week. And I was eating a lot of steak and rice and ice cream. Um that would probably be the only other time in my life that I've felt um, as anabolic as I do right now. Uh, the big thing is the growth hormone. Um, as I've body built longer and longer, I've realized that 
growth hormone is like pretty much the naked, the second most important substance after testosterone. It's like, so if you want to do bodybuilding and make it look the way that you really want it to look like the way that you like, see like Arnold and those guys look, or, or, you know, up to guys nowadays and seeing how they look, you know, uh, pros nowadays or something. But for me, it's, it's the golden era. That's what I like. I like golden era. Uh, type of bodybuilding from Arnold's day um, so yeah anywhere to get from there up to now modern day bodybuilding um, you gotta to get that look so I'm not even I'm not even trying to say like oh it's it's the times I'm just trying to say that including that look you got to use growth hormone okay if you want to look like they did in the golden era you got to use growth hormone okay they were using growth hormone they were using cadaver derived Crest Corman brand growth hormone so it was really freaking strong because it was human pituitary glands from dead people like cadavers. They cut them out and then they grind up all the pituitary glands and extract like the hormone juice from it. Um, and then, you know, that would be the injection. Uh, you know, once it was purified, they'd be injecting this into people with all these pituitary gland hormones in it. And, uh, you know, this shit would just like fucking toast their fat off their body and make them looking all like jacked and super full and super hard because that's one of the main things that growth hormone does when you start taking it it really hardens your body up and um you know within within uh it takes about like i mean if you take 10 ius on the first day you can feel that shit you can feel that shit 24 24 no you can feel it earlier than that you can feel that shit majorly in the gym 24 hours later but you can actually like feel the effects of, oh, I took something about five hours later. So it takes about two days. It takes about 48 hours to see the results of growth hormone in the mirror from when you have not taken it to when you do take it. And this starts at a dosage of about two to three I use per day. Um, four I use per day is, is a better dosage. Like if you had never tried growth hormone before and you wanted to see what it could do for you, like the way to do that would be to buy something that was you knew was like the maximum strength and potency and purity so that you could have like this benchmark and know, okay, this is, you know, exactly what I'm doing and this is what, you know, growth hormone can do for me. So, you know, for my case, um, that was that was actually the advice that I got. Uh, I'm repeating that to you. That was before I had tried pharmaceutical grade growth hormone because I had tried the generic growth hormone and, you know, that shit sucked. It gave me a sexual dysfunction. And because, you know, that shit's impure. It's impure. It's got human growth hormone is very similar to prolactin. The prolactin molecule is uh, not very different than the human growth hormone molecule. And so growth hormone, it's not bad for your sex drive. On the contrary, it's actually pretty good for your sex. Uh, but, you know, it definitely is not. It's not, you know, prolactin. Okay. And prolactin, don't want that because that's what trend makes go up and deca makes go up and f fucking destroys your sex drive, okay? So if you got some impure growth hormone, you know, some impure of these fucking chemicals in this generic growth hormone shit, which is it's always in there. And fucking, if you're sensitive to like hormonal induced sexual dysfunction, and personally, I'm like probably like a little bit on the average side. I'm like average with how sensitive I am to getting like sexual dysfunction from steroids, but maybe I'm like, you know, 10% more prone to it 
than um than the average dude you know so like i would be like on the 60 percent side and the average dude would be on the 50 percent side you know or you know 40 percent would be the opposite of me you know how sensitive they were i'm like out of a rating of one to a hundred i'd say that like the normal guy at five out 50 out of a hundred in sensitivity i'm about like 60 out of a hundred in sensitivity of uh sensitivity to sexual uh dysfunction side effects of uh steroids and hormones in general and stuff like that but i'm very also very good at it so since i have a lot of experience and um i'm very aware of my feelings and have a really good um sense of my body um i've been able to develop a system where you know it's very very rare or unusual for me to ever have sexual dysfunction because I've used, done a lot of experimenting and um, used a lot of different hormones, figured out what works for me and figured out a bunch of, um, you know, how to time my AIs and stuff and what signs to know for, you know, that makes me know when to take the AI and when not to and how much fractions of tablets, <laughs> you know, it just comes with experience. It just comes with experience and, you know, troubleshooting HCG techniques and, you know, coming back to growth hormone now, you know, growth hormone also increases your erections. Okay. So what happens is that growth hormone actually rises in your penis 200% naturally when you get in, uh, when you get a fucking erection. So naturally what happens is when the scientists, you know, they did a study on this and they were like, you know, what's causing this penis erections. And so they were like, putting the rubber band, you know, around that shit to keep the blood in there and then extracting the blood during the erection. Um, and you know, you guys that just winced at that and you were like, Oh my God, he put a needle in the dick, dude, I've done it too. I did it. You know, I took the Caverject injection, which is, you know, before they had Viagra, they had this stuff called Caverject and it gives you a medically induced erection. Um, and it just won't go down no matter what, you know, for two hours. It doesn't matter if you come. It doesn't matter if you go run a marathon. It's just chemically induced direction. I wanted to fuck with that because I was, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is some weird ass shit, shit you know. I want to try this. And so, I, you know, I got it. I got it. And, um, you know, I used a 31-gauge needle, tiny, like 5 16 inch needle. Stuck it all the way into the base of my dick on the side. <laughs> Like on the side of the the side of the base of the shaft into the meat part, and yep, that shit fucking stung like a bee sting. Oh my god, that shit hurt like a bitch. So, anyways, it gave me a chemically induced erection for the next two hours, and you know it just wouldn't go down. That was that was it. Okay, so I know you're interested in that kind of thing if you're listening to this podcast. So putting it out there. I did that. Um, next thing would be with the growth hormone though. So yeah, the growth hormone levels rise naturally during an erection by 200% in the dick. And what goes with that is that, you know, it excites that process, uh, that process in, in the dick to make it get, uh, you know, a good erection. You know, part of that process is growth hormone levels going up. So if you start taking the growth hormone you'll notice that you have a few more like um no reason boners like they'll start like popping up you know 
um, you see a lot of the effects of when you're um, in puberty again, actually, start to happen in your body. So that's one of the things that happens when you're your own growth hormone. I wouldn't say it doesn't increase acne. It definitely doesn't increase acne. And that's something that a lot of teenagers experience. But other like th physiological things that happen when you're in puberty, like you might feel like some of those types of growing pains that you, you might used to feel like at the edges of your bones, like in your knees or your elbows or something like that. Um, those kind of like little bits of soreness that, you know, would feel or maybe a little bit of weakness every once in a while in those joint areas. Um, and, you know, like a bit of wobbliness or something. I, I mean, everybody experiences this stuff when they're going through puberty. I'm sure you can remember it. And, uh, you know, basically um, anything you eat, like going, you know, like very preferentially to fueling your next exercise activity. So you can like eat food and then be like totally charged up again and like ready to, you know, work out again, you know, after you've just done a workout, you know, don't you remember back when you were a teenager and, you know, you would, uh, you know, go play sports and then you'd stop for, you know, a couple hours, go eat like a meal and then you'd be back out there playing for another three or four hours. Like it's like that. It makes like every, all the food you eat go towards like your physical muscles. And so it's, it's a major performance enhancing drug. It really is like, like steroids make you like bigger and stronger. Um, pretty much that's like pretty much what they're good for. And then, um, trend has a lot of this same kind of, uh, effects that, you know, performance enhancing effects that growth hormone has, but trends got a lot of side effects. Um, but then, uh, you know, growth hormone is the bioidentical, you know, it's more expensive than trend. Yeah. And it's also the, you know, the bioidentical hormone, you know, and, uh, you know, if I had to choose between growth hormone and trend, dude, I choose freaking growth hormone. So, I mean, you guys know, I don't use trend anymore. I, I just decided like, I don't like this stuff. Like, I don't want to be going on and off of this bullshit anymore. This stuff is like way too harsh. You know, like, I don't want to be putting that in my body. What the hell? It's, it's, a. Uh, I just didn't want to be relying on fucking trembolone. So that's why I've found out all these alternative methods that I tell you guys about in the steroids podcast. Cause you know, trembolone's the best steroid. Like it's the most important thing. It's the best like hormone for getting the body you want. Like it's the most versatile and the most powerful at gaining muscle and at burning fat and like being low cost. Um, but it just, you know, low, low cost in the budget, but you know, it seems that for most people, it, it's probably not a good thing. And like, I swear if you're on trembling, it's probably true that you do have an increased probability of being on like having a police record or something. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to make you have one. I'm not saying it's going to make you have one, okay? But I would say that the people that use a lot of trenbolone probably have a higher incidence of being, you know, having a police record than the average population. I think so. You know, I've been pondering that question, and I've been like, yeah, that's got to be the fucking honest truth. That's not really, like, a nice thing to say. And it doesn't mean that it turns you, you know, in into some kind of stupid thing. But, you know, you know what I was saying about how you get targeted when you go out uh, like into like nightlife or something where people are drunk and you know, then your, your fear of uh, getting hurt is completely removed. 
um, when you're on trend. So, and, and you also don't care about like fighting or something like you're, you're ready and you don't care if you get hurt and you have zero apprehension to it. So I think that if you really took out of all the people on trend on the world, I'm not saying it makes you a violent person, but I'm just saying there would probably be like some, some shit like that, you know, like an increased risk of having a police record. You know, I don't want to have this kind of shit in my life. I don't want to have that kind of shit in my life. So that's why I stopped. I stopped using it years ago. I was like, fuck this shit, dude. So, and again, I'm not saying it's going to make you do that. But I'm just saying that it increases the likelihood. It's like a factor that can like push things, you know, that way more. And if you already have those tendencies and then you get on that, you know, it can really push you over in that direction. Um, me, I think you guys can probably tell that I'm a pretty average guy naturally in a lot of ways. Like, um, like physically, like my physical body is probably pretty representative of the, the average dude, um, like in, in height and proportion and muscularity to like the average dude. If you look on my Instagram bodybuilder in Thailand on Instagram, uh, then, then you're going to see these before and after pics of, you know, before I was on steroids and like after, or before I started bodybuilding and then like after, and you're going to see that I started out with, you know, it, it's like a pretty average, pretty, pretty average to other people. So that's uh, how you can relate my body to the shit that I talk about on here. But, uh, you know, we're getting back to uh, the growth hormone here. Yeah, my cycle's going good. My cycle's going good. Feel very anabolic. Let's get on to some questions. The first question of the day for the podcast is by Violent Architect, who asks, Hey, mate, question for the podcast. I'm six foot three. 120 kilograms. My body type is endomesomorph. He stores fat but doesn't have any problems being big and strong. What cycle would I benefit from? I gain muscle strength fast but have difficulty cutting fat. Was thinking test, anadrol, human growth hormone, and clen. Um, yeah. So... Test is good, especially for your body type with the easily gaining strength and um, and size and muscle because, you know, testosterone dosage is a really good indicator of total size. So um, testosterone, you guys, it doesn't have any like diminishing returns in the amount of gains that it gives you. So like that is totally not true when people say like, oh, there's not a big difference uh, in testosterone dosage and its effect on like your muscle size and strength after 700 milligrams per week or after a thousand milligrams per week. Hell no. Hell no, dude. That shit is linear. It's linear. You, 250 milligrams increments. So if you took one more milliliter every week, um, and you just kept on adding one milliliter, one milliliter, one milliliter over and over again, it, it's like the same dosage uh, equals this exact same amount of like more muscle and strength enhancement on the dosage of testosterone. Okay. It has no diminishing returns. Uh, if you really dig deeply, you can find studies, you know, where they've used, uh, just absolutely astronomical 
dosages on animals and tested these kinds of things and in astronomical dosages but you know i'm just not going to go there on this podcast you can talk to me you know you can send me messages or something if you want to talk to me more you know about some some of the you know studies and doctors reports that i've had access to and you know where some of this information comes from on these you know uh hard to come by bodybuilding information like you know, dosages up in the hundreds of thousands of milligrams per week for animals and, um, you know, in dosages for humans that are talked about as, you know, Dallas McCarver type dosages and the studies that have been done on them in humans. Okay. But I feel like that information, it's just better not to put it like completely out there, like to the public, because it's just... Uh, it's a little much, it's a little much. So that's why like an ultimate guide to roids, it talks about some of that stuff, my book, um, because there's like a, a little paywall in front of there, you know, it's like the book is 1999. So it's like, if, if people are really serious and they want the information and they're adults, it's like, yeah, okay. Then they're really serious. So they can like buy that for like less than like a bottle of steroids. So it's a little bit of a barrier to entry, you know, and that's probably going to weed out, you know, some of the morons that would take, you know, some of the information that's in there and, you know, uh, hurt themselves or something by, by, you know, doing stupid com uh, combinations and, you know, just for some of the raw truth that, you know, it takes to like, what's does it take to be an IFBB pro or something like that, you know, and the kind of performance enhancement that you have to use and dosages and stuff, you know. I don't really think that that information should be just completely available to the public. So that's why I kind of like stuck it into the ultimate guide to roids thing with that tiny little bit of, um, you know, resistance there to kind of like weed out the people who are not serious and, you know, they probably shouldn't have access to that kind of information anyways. So guys, testosterone dosage is linear with its effect on uh, performance enhancement. You know, every CC you add is more, stronger performance enhancement. Um, generally, experiment, capping off experimentation around like a gram and a half or two grams per week, um, you know, under two grams per week um, results in less side effects, okay? Because, you know, going over those dosages, you can, you definitely start feeling side effects no matter what, you just do. So that's my, uh, that's my advice on that. Um, for you, uh, violent architect who asked the question, you know, you're a big guy, yeah, so you need a lot of testosterone. So if I was you, I'd be using like a thousand milligrams of testosterone for my cycles. You're six foot three, 120 kilograms. So he's 250, 260 pounds, six foot three. Yeah. He needs like a minimum of a thousand milligrams of testosterone. Definitely. Those guys who are like really tall, they need, um, and they have like a really big, like natural body and frame. They, they need a good dosage of testosterone because it's like body weight dependent. Um, like a, a five foot five guy who is, um, you know, 150 pounds. Um, he doesn't need to have as much testosterone generally as, you know, a guy who's six foot five and, you know, 220 pounds. Generally, like the that guy who is who is just bigger and taller human being to begin with. He needs some more testosterone. So for you guys that are like taller and just heavier naturally, it's you, you, you got to have that body 
proportional dosage of testosterone. So you guys that are like, you know, 250 pounds when you start taking steroids or you're taking steroids, you know, you got to be taking more than like mini dosages, like definitely not 250 milligrams per week of test and thinking that's going to get you anywhere. You're like a big dude, you know, <laughs> like you need to have some fucking testosterone filled blood. You hear me? So you got to, you got to be pushing those dosages up there. Like if you're over six feet tall, dude, you got to be using three cc's a week. All right. So he says what cycle would benefit him for muscle gain strength fast, but have difficulty cutting. Oh, no, no. Would benefit him. He gains muscle and strength fast, but has difficulty cutting fat. He was thinking test anadrol, HGH, and clen. Yeah, that's a really good cycle. So you get that 1,000 milligrams of test in there, and then you start taking 50 milligrams of anadrol per day. That's going to make it so that, you know, when you're taking the, the anadrol, your liver um, has like more, it can start, it converts more of the, the fatty acids in the blood into uh, usable fuel for your body to be sent for the muscles to, to burn up. Um, and so that, that increases when you're on the, the oral steroid, especially ones like Anavar and Anadrol, you get this effect where your body becomes a more efficient fat burning machine because there are changes that happen in your liver. And so you'll notice that when you, um, take Anavar or Anadrol that you don't get as hungry and, uh, you don't have like such severe swings in blood sugar you can kind of just don't need foods quite as much because your uh, body has this stabilization of blood sugar from increased fatty acid oxidation and uh, so that's a definitely anadrol is a really good and anavar too both of those drugs at about 50 milligrams per day um they're about equally as strong, like 50 milligrams of Anavar and 50 milligrams of Anadrol has a similar effect in a lot of ways on the body. The Anadrol pumps you up more and fills you with some more fluid inside of your muscles. And the Anavar doesn't quite do that so much, but I'd say at 50 milligrams per day, Anavar and Anadrol are both like equally, you know, awesome drugs, steroids to take, you know, they're definitely worth, uh, experimenting with and being like whoa cool this is what this substance can do to my body and seeing it like happen in the gym and you know feeling the difference in your muscles when you're working out um hormones are cool you know very very interesting things so good call with the anadrol and then here's another good call that you did with the hgh hgh also increases your blood sugar okay so if you're taking HGH, make sure it's farm grade because if you get the brand name farm grade stuff, um, it, you know, and it can be for farm grade for a different country too. Like, you know, like in Mexico, they have, uh, uh, it starts with a, 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 an X, their brand name down there. It's like Zyron Dip or something like that. <laughs> Zyron, Zyron Dip or something that's their brand name of HGH over there, and it's manufactured and made uh, in Mexico. Zerendip, yeah, it's called Zerendip. And uh, that stuff, that stuff's good stuff. Yeah, it's definitely good stuff. So, And then they also have like Gintropin that is made uh, in China, but it's only made for export to the Russian market. 
So if it doesn't, if it doesn't come only for the Russian hospitals, so if it doesn't come in all uh, Russian writing, it's bullshit. Okay. So there are pl- things other than like genotropin by Pfizer and nortitropin by Nordilat um, or serostim by Merck Serono or, you know, Omnitrope uh, by, I forgot, I forgot what company makes Om- Omnitrope, but uh, not on top of my head. But, uh, in, you know, anyways, those are like some really popular brand name uh, human growth hormones. So there's different growth hormones that come from different countries, too, you know, that aren't American ones or whatever. And, you know, they're really good, too. They're excellent, too. So like Gentropin is one of those ones. And, you know, so they're usually these brands that are, you know, you've heard that name before. Or like another one is Anne Simone. That one is good, too. Um You've, so you've heard those that one's Chinese pharmaceutical grade for use in China um, so like in Chinese hospitals and Simone and then the gentropin is made in China for use in Russian hospitals export only um, but those are like examples of good Chinese growth hormone you know but when you're talking about these things like black tops blue tops gray tops orange tops pink tops pink tops you know because people are talking about like what is the top of the vial or whatever. What is the color of the top of the vial? I got some black tops generic growth hormone. It's like, dude, why don't you just piss in the vial and take that, dude? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> that shit sucks. That shit freaking sucks. And you know what? There's also like a lot of counterfeits and knockoffs of, you know, those, some of those brands, you know, like there's a lot of counterfeit knockoff gin tropin that's not the right gin tropin. You know, it's some bullshit. And then there's, you know, the same thing with, uh, like, fucking humotrope, you know, lily humotropes. Those are very commonly counterfeited. And um, the pens, those are not so commonly counterfeited, like genotropin pens and nortitropin pens. Those are not so commonly counterfeited. Um, but So you're dealing in this market where it's, uh, you know, it's hard to get it. So, you know, best thing that you can do is, you know, go to countries where they sell this stuff over the counter. So for one thing, when I was in Colombia, when I was in Medellin, Colombia, you know, I went into one of the pharmacies and I was asking her for testosterone. And so she, uh, she was handing me over the counter Nibido testosterone, which is testosterone on weight, uh, four milliliter, 1000 milligram vial. Um, and it's super good for TRT. It keeps super stable testosterone blood levels. And, uh, and then uh, I was saying, oh, well, I wanted Testovar. And she was like, no, we don't have that. We don't have that. And then she was like, but we have this. And she got really excited face. And like she knew she had something I would really like. And then she turned around to the refrigerator. And then she brought out 30 IU Nordytropin Nordylet pens. <laughs> and I was like, I was laughing because I wasn't using growth hormone at the time. And, and uh, but, you know, I knew that that was like really good. You know, like she brought out like a, you know, like a top fucking item right there. And she knew it because she got this huge smile on her face and she was so excited to show me like she knew it was going to be something I would like. And then she was telling me, you know, in the price of um, of uh, Colombian Colombian uh, pesos. But, you know, I was converting this now for you, uh, how much it was, you know, and it was she was selling it at that pharmacy for 120 bucks uh, in Colombian pesos. Um, you know, OTC, you know, no prescription required, 
just OTC at the, the pharmacy across the street from the mall. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was the 30 IU Nordytropin Nordilet pens, premix pens uh, with the with the with the growth hormone in there. You know, she was selling those for for the same price as 120 US bucks in Colombian uh, pesos. So, you know, if your problem that you're thinking about, you know, you're thinking about like, oh, the growth hormone market, what I'm saying is something like this, that's the best way to get it, okay? That's the best way to get it. And a lot of people say like, oh, I'm not leaving my country to go get something or something. Okay, well, you gotta find out, you gotta find out what you're doing. I can't, I'm not gonna sit here and like, uh, like tell people like <laughs> how to get stuff or something like that. Uh, but I mean, I'm saying very reasonable, very reasonable things. Cause that's the way I always feel with bodybuilding is that there's some kind of like barrier to entry on knowledge. And like, as that, you know, that's been abused that principle by, you know, making the knowledge way too hard to access and like take way too much work to, you know, figure everything out. Um, but there is some wisdom though in having some kind of barrier to entry on escalating knowledge, um, you know, of, of bodybuilding, uh, and like what it, what it takes. Um, so I'll give you guys good, some good hints in the podcast, some, some good hints, the thinking men among you, good hints that the thinking men among you can, uh, use for your benefit. All right, so good call with the HGH. It makes it easier to diet because your blood sugar is higher on HGH, so you don't get uh, you know, as much hypoglycemia. A lot of times in dieting, one of the things that sucks is you get shaky and hypoglycemia and like clammy and kind of frantic feeling. That sucks, and human growth hormone helps that not happen so much. Metformin also helps that not happen so much by switching your body's metabolism to more of a fat burning instead of carbohydrate glucose burning metabolism. So you could also put metformin in there. Probably should. And uh, then he says clen too. I mean, you got all the bases covered, dude. Uh, take the clen. You know what? Wake up. Take the growth hormone. Um, take the clen. And you just need 20 micrograms of clen. You could use 40 micrograms of clen too. You just use this uh, and do some, get up and go for a walk. That'll be good for your body recomposition. Okay, next question is from P. Marks who asks, had a question for your natch, for your next podcast. Do you think competitive female CrossFitters use gear? They look very manly. And I've often wondered how so many of them can build such large upper bodies. If they do... Th if you do think they're on gear, how do they get around dope tests at the CrossFit competitions? Okay. Yeah. The, the way to get around testing is, is to use like quick in and out stuff. So up until a few years ago, um, oral Turinabol, which was a oral steroid that was developed in the, mm, the GDR, the German, so the Ger German Soviet Union controlled state. Uh, back in the Cold War, uh, they were using, you know, Turinabol to get past doping tests because it's like undetectable. And so 
to be able to test it and be able to detect it in the bloodstream more than two to three days after the last tablet um, and increase that to two to two weeks now that it has detection time that only just happened in 2016 so before that it was only two to three days after taking the last tablet it could be detected and now at this point it's up to two weeks so you know also unless you have growth hormone in your blood which it's like completely in and out in 24 hours it can't really be detected um and you know there's other ways of messing with your hormones too like you know small little bits of testosterone suspension injections you know like mini injections like 25 milligrams around training and stuff like that or you know like in a woman you know like five milligrams 10 milligrams of uh, testosterone suspension and water that's in and out of your body in six hours um I mean, there, there are ways to beat the, the doping tests. You know, that's why the athletes these days, you know, none of them look like the um, the athletes that you see like in, in third world countries. You guys need to look at what the pro athletes in third world countries do because some of them, you know, they haven't really caught on to the PEDs stuff so much. Um, but, you know, they certainly don't look like bodybuilders, guys, because bodybuilders don't look natural. That's why it makes you go, Wow. When you see a bodybuilder for the first time, you go, wow, I've never seen anything like that. That's not natural. How the fuck did he do that? You take hormones. You take hormones. All right. So these women that don't look natural, they take hormones. <laughs> okay. That's just the end of the story. They've got a lot of ways. They've got a lot of ways around it. I can discuss that more at a separate time, you know, more in-depth stuff, but. Believe me, beating drug testing is, uh, it's like something to laugh at. It's something to laugh at. And they try to keep the sports as clean as they can with the testing. They try to keep it as clean as they can, and that's all they can do. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, most of them, most of them use like some Winstraw, some Terenabol, some Anavar. Like I said, a little bit of a test, a little bit of testosterone suspension. Those CrossFit women. Um, but I'm talking like micro amounts though. I'm talking like five milligrams. Uh, and then, or, or they, some of them can even use like some of the like testo gel and stuff. Like a little bit and that can be like effective on them. Uh, but the growth hormone too, that, that's a big one. It makes them be able to train a lot. And that whole thing about, you know, they have those stupid ass studies out that are like, growth hormone does not increase muscle growth. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Fucking idiots. Okay. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way up until like the mid 90s, these fucking motherfuckers had printed in every freaking steroid insert, insert on the pharmaceutical grade steroids. This supplement does not, and it's like warning, this supplement does not improve uh, strength and athletic performance. Steroids do not do that for people who are not deficient. And it had like, you know, the scientists produced all these freaking retarded studies that said like steroids do not produce. Uh, increase muscle mass and they do not increase strength in normal healthy individuals and so they're all like lying and shit and then you know the athletes had the complete different uh, experience with it and so then, then it was like you guys are like so so fucking stupid you know and they finally in the, the late 80s early 90s 
changed that medical stuff and they're like oh now the scientists admit that it increases muscle and shit and strength and it's the same thing with human growth hormone they've got these fucking stupid studies up on the internet and guys read this shit you guys read this shit and you're like oh okay it doesn't build muscle and it doesn't burn fat and it's like okay dude okay okay science is the way jeff nippard go watch jeff nippard on youtube he's really scientific yeah uh <laughs> science doesn't know shit okay that's why bro science is very important and that's why in my book ultimate guide to roids 109 page ebook by dan the bodybuilder in thailand that's why I talk about a big-ass section on bro science because there's a lot of really important bro science and there's also some other bro science that you got to, like, make sense of and you've also got to disregard. So I'll put, like, fucking, like, 40 pages or something in on this shit. Um, very important because bro science and a lot of it, you know, a lot of it is very important. So don't take this fucking scientific approach with bodybuilding. Just use it to help give the scientific shit and the studies that have been done. When you form opinions about bodybuilding through your experience and through the experience of others that you really know in real life, then, and you develop theories, then look for scientific evidence to support them. But don't uh, go looking for scientific evidence to tell you how to do bodybuilding. That shit doesn't work. Straight up. That shit doesn't work okay next question nicholas hey man love your ebook ultimate guide to roids it's been really really insightful question for the podcast what's the best way of dealing with trt whilst you're going on a holiday i'm going to the u.s for two weeks next year so can't take my test with me so how do i make sure i don't crash at the back end Okay, well, uh, is your TRT from a doctor or do you self-prescribe it to yourself? Because if you've got a prescription, you can take it into America. Uh, if they ask to see it, you just show them your prescription. Uh, if, you have a, a, if you have a prescription from a doctor in another country, that's also honored in America. So don't worry too much about that. And then, um, you know, if you can't take it for some reason, you know, what ester of testosterone are you using? If you're using propionate, yeah, that's going to be completely out of your blood if you don't take it for two weeks. But if you're using an anthate or cypionate, or if you're using undecanoate, undecanoate is the best TRT. So Bayer Nibido makes brand name. That's the brand name of, uh, Farm grade test on Decanoate is Nibido by Bayer Pharmaceuticals. And that stuff, is, it keeps your blood levels stable for, you only have to take it once a month. And then it'll keep your blood, it's a thousand milligram injection. You just take it once per month and it keeps your blood levels of testosterone. They don't fall off really at all until 20 days in. And then from day 20 to 30, they kind of start falling off. So I guess it's about three weeks before they really start falling off much. They, I mean, they do not fall off for the first three weeks after taking that 4CC injection. So 
That one is a very good one for TRT. And you could take that, and then when you're two weeks, it wouldn't go away. But for you, you're probably using test sip or you're using test enanthate. So if you're usually doing one cc per week, just take an extra cc before you leave, and it'll cover you for that next week. You won't get any crash. It will kind of be going down, you know, not as evenly as if you had taken the shots evenly, but it, it won't leave your body because it'll double the level in your body uh, before you leave. And then uh, it'll last in there. You won't get a dip in testosterone. You'll get a little boost. All right, next question is from Rod Reese. He says, is it normal to be dead hungry while taking test Winnie Clen and T3? Yeah, well, testosterone makes you hungrier. I mean, most steroids make you a little bit hungrier, especially injectable steroids. So it just being on testosterone in general, but the main thing that's making you hungry is being on that T3. So T3 increases your metabolism, but at the same time, it equally increases your appetite. So T3, yeah, it does increase your metabolism quite a lot. But it also makes your appetite go freaking nuts. So it's definitely an equal increase. If you think T3 makes you um, burn more calories but not increase your appetite proportionally, that's not the way it is. It's like a very equal balanced effect, increasing the appetite and increasing the metabolic rate, the amount of calories consumed. So yeah, it's very normal to be dead hungry. <laughs> on t3 next question is from blue falcon hey big fan of the podcast my question is how do endurance athletes like swimmers and runners take gear and not get horrible pumps i've run as low as 250 milligrams a week test with 30 milligrams winning and still got bad calf cramps after running a mile i've run 500 milligrams test with d-ball and you can forget about even running sprints isn't my diet or something i need to add supplement wise to combat these side effects thanks um yeah so you're right they definitely cannot run uh, much gear at all and be able to function the way that uh you know at a top athletic ability so like you said 250 milligrams test and then i think you said you'd been running um some some winstrol with that 30 milligrams of winstrol yep so if you that's too much for you right now, you can even lower the dose more because you don't need to be taking a large dosage at all. Now, Winstrol can kind of give people some cramps. It can it can because it seems to increase the the like neuromuscular tension in your body. So all of your muscles are a little bit more tensed or flexed just slightly more uh, when you're resting them like the it's an in increase in what they call muscle tone, the resting tension of your muscles increase in muscle tone resting muscle tone so your muscles just kind of appear harder all the time because of that um and so that that could be you know contributing to that but it is a really good performance enhancer for explosion strength power speed um, so what you could do if you're experiencing some effects is just cut the testosterone in half so that you have less intra cellular fluid retention so you're on 250 test you could drop it down to 125 test and just keep that 20 to 30 milligrams of winstrol in there and you definitely get a performance enhancing boost from this 
I mean, with sports, you guys, we're just looking to add these tiny little bits of increases because it's not like uh, the way that increasing um, like your your muscle mass is for sports. With the muscle mass, you keep on increasing the uh, the amount and the strength uh, with the higher dosage. But with the sports, you know, you can't just run twice as fast because you took more steroids. You're looking really in sports. It's more about complementing the person's natural abilities. But in bodybuilding, it's not so much complementing the person's natural abilities. It's like really exaggerating the person's natural abilities, <laughs> not complementing, exaggerating them and making them be, you know, really exaggerated. Uh, but in sports, it's not like that. It's just you got the natural abilities, natural athletic abilities, and you're just looking to sprinkle this tiny enhancement on it. So what you want to do is just basically keep yourself with a level testosterone level so that you feel good with a testosterone. And then you can add in these little bits of these little performance enhancers, you know, like 15 milligrams of D-ball or um, 20 milligrams or 30 milligrams of Winstrol on top of, you know, only 100 milligrams 125 milligrams of testosterone per week. Um, and that can be, that can be a good performance enhancer for you or like, you know, two to four IUs of growth hormone before bed that, that can make a, a huge difference too, um, in the amount of time that you're able to spend training and training at a high intensity. Uh, also when you first get on PEDs, especially when you're like really new to them, like you're a total like virgin to them. Um, it, really they really have a strong effect so like the first time you ever touched viagra if you've ever taken viagra before do you remember the response it like had on your cock it's like boom it's like up and then that's like that virgin response and then even if you like never use it again for like a year and then use it again later it's not like that again so uh peds are kind of like that actually they they do get sort of a response like that so when you've never used PEDs before and you're new to them, like like your your first like three to six months on cycle, uh, you know if you add in Winstrol or you add in D ball or you add in Tran or something like that or you add in Clen, it's like you see the effect of that thing happen really strong, and so it's like exaggerated too because um, you're so sensitive to it. And also when you're small and you have less muscle mass, it takes a lot less of those supplements to exert a big effect because your body naturally is already pr so primed to change anyways. You're nowhere near your genetic limit. Um, and then you add steroids to that fire of stimulus and adaptation that you can create by working in the gym, you know, just way under your natural limit or whatever. And it's if, if that's where you're at um, and, you know, they the muscle building metabolic things that happen is just like freaking pouring gas all over the fire. So you get these outrageous pumps that like burst the freaking veins in your like forearms and shit. I would look down sometimes. I remember the first time taking 30 milligrams of Winstrol on top of 600 milligrams of test. And I think I was actually taking, yeah, I was taking like 300 milligrams of trend at the time too. And then I added in, um, 50 milligrams of Winstrol per day. And I was it might have even been less than that. It might have been 25 milligrams Winstrol per day. And when I added in that Winstrol, dude, oh my God, pumps in my forearms. I was looking down at them. There's like veins that I'd never seen before. And then like uh, the the skin was so like bursting and stretching and so full of blood that the little blood vessels all over my forearms on the insides 
uh, were like burst. So there's these little like purple lines all over the place because they were exploding because they had too much blood in them. Fucking nuts. But that doesn't happen anymore. So as you uh, become more used to it, uh, that doesn't really happen. And also big pumps are a big result of eating carbohydrates. That's like huge for pumps. Um, the best, the, the things that work best for making you get a pump in the gym, like real talk, not supplement talk, is steroids that increase water retention. So any steroid that makes you increase water retention can help you get an, an insane pump. And then there are some that don't increase water retention. They also help you get an insane pump, but they're more unusual. Um, so yeah, like trend would be one of those. Uh, taking steroids and taking growth hormone. Those two things help you get an insane pump. They both work really good. And then the third thing is eating carbohydrates. And basically, if you just take steroids and you don't eat carbohydrates, you're not really going to have a good pump at all, like at all. And um, if you take steroids and growth hormone and you eat a little bit of carbs, you can get a pretty good pump. Um, but if you take, you know, just steroids and you eat a ton of carbs, you can get a fucking insane pump. And then if you're on steroids and growth hormone and you eat a ton of carbs, it's like, what the fuck? My body looks completely different right now in the gym than when I entered the fucking gym. So that's that. Next question. Jerry asks, you think in the next podcast you could talk about the difficulties we have bodybuilding with guys who do jobs and work crazy hours and how much balance do you really need to practice in life? Just to get your meals in and your training days in. PEDs are awesome, but I think people don't realize how committed you really need to be. And how much work it is getting it all in. Plus, I have a family. A lot of guys do. I think bodybuilding is romanticized sometimes. And don't get what they want out of the amount of money they're investing. Because they're unprepared. Yeah, I would agree with that. It seems to be a thing where um, you get you gain more knowledge about you know what it really is getting yourself into as you go further and further. So I think that contributes to that, but you can make bodybuilding pretty simple. Like there's, there's a lot of like the podcast is so much information. It's like a flood of information. So it's like overwhelming. And so that's like why I have the book because the book is just 109 pages and it's like all of the, uh, it's like only the important information. And I like cut, all the fat out to make it as simple as possible so that like a child could read that shit and then be able to like talk to you about steroids and PEDs afterwards. That's how simple it is, but it's like so packed with information, but it's just like after I, I wrote it, you know, then I went back through it and I was like cutting out all the fat and like every single word, you know, that wasn't necessary to get the freaking point across to you. Uh, I, I deleted that shit. I fucking delete it delete baby and that's why the book is so freaking awesome it has so many freaking good reviews and everything and it's it's like the best you know what i mean this rivals 
I think is better than the Underground Steroid Handbook by Dan Duchesne. I mean, definitely. I think Ultimate Guide to Roids is better than the famous The Handbook. The Handbook by Dan Duchesne. Um, you know what? That's a very famous bodybuilding book, but in my opinion, you know what? If Ultimate Guide to Roids was out there, you know, I think a lot of fire under that a lot of fire under Dan Duchesne's ass with this. Ultimate Guide to Roids is the greatest book that has ever been written about bodybuilding that shows you a roadmap of exactly what you need to do in order to attain your bodybuilding goals and dreams that you had when you first joined the gym. That vision that you had in your head. Ultimate Guide to Roids explains how you can get there. It explains how you can get there, what you need to do exactly with nothing left out. It's the full truth with no half truths, only full truth, giving you the information and letting you decide what to do with it. Okay. You're an adult. You can handle the fucking information. So it's there. You know, I still have some people talk to me about the book. Like, I don't think you should be, you know, putting out this information or something. Don't you think that's like irresponsible? And, and I'm like, I'm like, dude. They're adults. You know, we don't need to be like, this isn't like bedtime story, like taking care of you and like thinking, you know, like, oh, I'm going to make these decisions for you not to tell you the truth because uh, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. It's like you're a freaking adult. So if you want the information, I'm not going to be like, you know, Acting like some kind of douchebag. I'm just thinking, you know what? You're an adult. Here. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Next question. Joe the Pirate asks, Dan, love the podcast. I'm thinking about starting my first Test C trend cycle. What's your opinion on the best dosage? Oh, yeah. So 300 milligrams per week of Trimbalone is the perfect first cycle dosage. And a good dosage to run is basically the same um, dosage of testosterone. So two, one or two cc's of testosterone cypionate and then one or two cc's. Sorry. And then around around 300 milligrams or so of Trimbalone, three to 400 milligrams with that because then you get the full effect of trend and you feel it you know what this is what this shit's all about but it's not too much it's not like you're really pushing it or anything you just get the full effect and you'd be like okay now i know what this shit's all about but if you only do 50 milligrams every other day so 175 milligrams per week it's not enough and you'll kind of like get like a little appetite of what trend can do but you won't get the uh you won't you won't be somebody who knows I know what trend is all about. I fucking felt the effects of trend. You won't get to experience that. So that takes 300 milligrams per week or more to experience that. That's my advice on dosages. Domian asks human growth hormone or metformin before cheat meal with the Christmas days and new year's Eve. I want to eat out with family. I want to enjoy the food with family. Good idea. That is a super good idea because you know, you got to remember that you're doing bodybuilding to enjoy it and like add, 
happiness to your life. That's the same reason why you should want to have like a girlfriend or a significant other or whatever shit too, or just your friends, all your friends that you hang out with. You always want to be uh, doing that to make your life better and to make you enjoy it more. So if you're doing bodybuilding and that's making you not be able to enjoy the Christmas holidays and the new year and enjoying food with the family, yo, those are like some of the best things about like life right there. Okay. So if bodybuilding is getting in the way of that, then it's too much. It's too much for the normal guy. If you've got a competition right there. Okay. I understand that. But for the normal guy, you know, you need to find some balance in your life because God damn, that's like some of the, the most, uh, best memories of our whole lives is, you know, those holiday, uh, meals with a family and, you know, spending time together eating and doing holiday foods. So, oh man, you got to do that. You got to do that. And if you're looking to limit the damage, yes. Um, right before you eat, just, you know, taking a thousand milligrams of metformin that will act as a filter on the food. And a lot of it will just go straight through you without getting absorbed. Uh, so you just kind of like shit it out after, uh, chewing it. And then growth hormone like completely blocks fat, uh, uptake fatty acid uptake into fat cells. So if you take that after a meal, I mean, it will prevent you from, it'll raise your blood sugar a lot, but it will prevent you from, uh, storing that as fat. Uh, Another thing that people <laughs> I see people do is like glycogen loading where they like take anadrols because, you know, anadrols is so, is so good at like loading glycogen or carbohydrate fuel storage into muscle cells. So like, oh, shit, I just ate this cheat meal. I've got a glycogen load and like take an anadrol. So those are some tips on uh, on that. Also, clenbuterol, man, like 40, mil 40 micrograms of clenbuterol per day. Dude, that is so potent at preventing fat gain. Man, clenbuterol is really effective at preventing fat gain. Power to the People asks, HGH protocols and timing, morning versus evening. Yeah, I talked about in the beginning of the episode how I do HGH. I've, I've experimented with a lot of different ways and talked to a lot of other guys that experiment with different ways. Um, the way that it's secreted naturally is mostly when you're asleep and your blood sugar is really low. So if you wake up to go to the bathroom in the night, um, you can take a shot then. So it's like a really little needle, you know, and if you already have it ready, it's just like, boop, and it's over in 10 seconds. So that's the most natural way to take it. Um, and it is a recovery drug. So, and since it's normally released in your body naturally at night, um, it's, it's a good thing to take it at night. Uh, another common time to take it would be when you wake up in the morning before you eat. And another common time to take it would be after training since after training, uh, is when you need the IGF one and the growth hormone in your blood to be helping repair the muscle cells and build new ones. So those are the times that people take growth hormone, um, Taking dosages in increments of two to four IUs is fine. That's, I mean, even up to five IUs would be like common common usage because people that take a vial of growth hormone per day, like sometimes those people take four shots per day or sometimes those people take two shots per day or sometimes, you know, they do it all in one shot. 
So it just depends on what's their method of doing it. But yeah, that's how that goes. If you're, if you've never used growth hormone before, definitely, um, start at a dosage of around two to four. I use, uh, per day, because if you start at a dosage more than that, you're going to get severe water retention and it's going to be really uncomfortable. Um, not, not going to be a, a pleasant thing for you. Okay. So next question is from Horton who asks, I have a question for the podcast. There's a lump. I've listened to your previous podcast fan of the show on this and have started Novadex and after two weeks it's fading. So a huge thank you for the info. Oh, good. So he got some gyno and then listened to the podcast, figured out how to get rid of gyno and started taking Novadex two weeks ago. And now it's a lot better. Okay. I want to start my next cycle once it's gone without any problems. So what should I take to stop this happening again? Deca maybe have caused it. I'm looking at doing 30 milligrams of D ball for eight weeks, 300 milligrams of Deca for 10 weeks, 500 test E for 10 weeks. Yeah. So you got to take, uh, like an anti-estrogen with your testosterone. So you got to take a Remedex or Examestane or Letrozole, and you got to take a couple tablets per week on average, but some people have to take more and some people have to take less. So you got to, um, fiddle around with your, you got to fiddle around with your dosages on that till you find the right spot for you and how much estrogen or progesterone or prolactin that your body produces from those hormones. So that's like troubleshooting. That's troubleshooting, getting that taken care of. I can help guys do that if they do the one month uh, text message based coaching with me on WhatsApp. That one's $99 a month. And on that, I talk to you every day. So if you guys are looking to do some like really detailed troubleshooting, like getting, you know, finding out how to use your AI and, you know, your prolactin and then like levels of other hormones in order to get the best quality of life. And, you know, I'm going to have to be asking you a lot of questions like, you know, uh, using my experience to ask you the right questions about how you're feeling during the day and, you know, optimizing these little dosages or fractions of dosages of tablets and troubleshooting, finding different you know, finding out more information as we keep working. And then, you know, after a couple of weeks, you know, I, just because I'm very experienced with these things, you know, I'd be confident that we could get you in the exact right ranges to be feeling the best. So that's something that we can do with the, with the monthly text messaging coaching, uh, for this next cycle for you. Yeah. You're going to need to make sure to have cabergolin on hand before you start the cycle and to have a Remedex or Examestane or Letrozole in hand before you start the cycle. And, uh, yeah, you're going to need to, you know, if a Remedex or Examestane is not stopping the gyno, then you're going to have to put in the uh, cabergolin, at, which is uh, antiprolactin, at 0.5 milligrams or 0.25 milligrams twice per week. And if that doesn't work, then you're going to have to take out the DECA, and then, uh, you know, at that point, you should be okay on 500 test. So next question is from Magnus. And this is the last question for the day. Uh, this is actually him kind of saying something that happened to him. So 
heading to Phuket, Thailand this week to start my blast. I was on for six weeks when I first got here, but my doses were too low, and I was just kind of feeling out AI, anti-estrogen dosing, and making sure my levels were good. So not much of a blast. I've been completely off for six weeks, and now that I know what doses I need, I'm going to start tests 750 milligrams per week, 250 milligrams per week DECA, and 30 milligrams D-ball for eight weeks. Then bump the testosterone up to 1,000 milligrams per week for the rest of the cycle. Then he says, I was expecting 400 tests to make me super jacked, but it honestly felt just like high dose of the SARM LGD 4333. <laughs> so he is kind of echoing what I've said that is the case when a lot of guys you know, start 500 milligrams of testosterone per week. He did 400 per week uh, for a first steroid cycle because this was his first steroid cycle, this guy. He did 400 per week. And usually you have expectations about what steroids are going to do for you. So when you get on a cycle of that light, uh, it doesn't, it's not enough. It's not a threshold dosage to really meet those expectations. So that's why guys who start out with less than uh, 750 milligrams of testosterone per week as a first cycle, they're not impressed uh, for the most part. Or, you know, if they do start out with less than 750 milligrams per week and they do like 250 milligrams or 500 milligrams per week, they've got to like add like a, an oral steroid in there or a second injectable or something to really be impressed and see what steroids can do for them. Because just 500 milligrams per week solo is always when you got those expectations of like, oh, this is what it's going to be like to be on steroids. And then you get on 500 milligrams per week. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it just doesn't give the right look. It doesn't give the right look. You don't get like harder and more muscular doing that. You actually get like softer and uh, you slowly get stronger. You're like more puffy and slowly get stronger. And, um, you know, you, you probably you get like bigger, but you're not getting like more muscular and like defined and chiseled and like separation and stuff like that. So it's a bit confusing. Well, that first cycle, 500 milligrams test per week. It can be like, what the hell is this? This is not what I was expecting. That's what happened to him. So figures like he's got it figured out now, though, because he's going to do 750 test, 250 DECA, 30 milligrams D-ball for eight weeks, and then bump that test up to 1,000. I think that sounds like a, for the rest of his cycle, I think that sounds like a good idea. A good idea. Um, the lower dose D-ball, 30 milligrams per day. Yeah, you can do that for eight weeks. Usually not going to be feeling any toxicity. If you do feel toxicity, like tiredness, zero appetite, um, don't want to train, um, then, you know, stop the D ball. If you feel that before eight weeks, um, and then the 750 test with the 250 DECA and then later a thousand test. Yeah, that sounds great. So with this cycle, nope, it's not going to feel like a high dose LGD. This is going to be a proper cycle. And, uh, this is going to get you, this is going to get you going straight towards the direction that you want to. So just make sure that you're eating protein meals, meals with protein throughout the day. So you can't just be eating like once or twice. And, you know, if you really want to get big, you got to throw in some not clean food. Bodybuilder in Thailand, out. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message 
steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.